What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Open Guard Cast. This is our 112th episode. Today we have a really awesome guest. We have Gracie Baja Black Belt, Jordan Weissman. Jordan recently got third place at the 2021 Pan Ams at Black Belt. He's a relatively new Black Belt, but he's one of the new generation, one of the best up-and-coming young Black Belts in the country. So, Jordan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Danny. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really happy to be joining the Open Guard cast. This is something that I wanted to do for a long time. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I'm very excited to share a little bit about my history and my career and like make you guys get to know a little bit more about me. Yeah, that's awesome. We've been wanting to have you on for a long time. Me and Jake both know you personally, so super excited. Thank you again for the time. And do you just want to start out talking about how you originally got started in Jiu-Jitsu? Yes. All right. So everything started in Brazil, uh, in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, before I talk about how I started in Jiu-Jitsu, I want to talk about like uh, what happened before, a little bit before, because I feel that the history connects, yeah. you know, keep connecting. So mm-hmm. it started in Brazil. I born in the in, the, in a favela there. Favela is like a, it's like a tough neighborhood in Brazil, you know, there's like criminals and all these kind of people but there's a lot of good people too you know and uh so i born over there and i started training judo so judo was the first time i put a gi on i was like four years old and uh i started training judo and i really like judo because my, i always like to like martial arts you know fighting punching kicking you know so like judo was the closest martial art at my house on that time and um, I started doing judo and because of, like I was a very like energetic kid you know and my mom liked judo because it brings a lot of like discipline you know for the kids it's a great tool judo jiu-jitsu any martial art I think it's a great tool for like this discipline and uh, so I did judo I always like to compete you know, like was competing in judo, winning some tournaments, losing some tournaments, always like super nice experiences. And also, I, I used to do like soccer. Soccer was like my second passion too. So I was judo and soccer, living on the, the favela. And I used to like, my mom used to put me on a lot of sports so I can like waste my energy, <laughs> you know. So judo and soccer, those are my like were my passions back in the days, like when I was young. And uh, I remember that I was always in between them both. And one day, there was one day that was like the turning point, you know, so for me to decide what am I gonna do, mm-hmm. you know. It was like a, in a soccer tournament, and. Um, I remember I was always giving my best, you know, I was always very competitive, I wanted to do my best and win, and I remember on that, on this tournament, like, me and my team, we made it to the finals, but, like, at the finals game, my team, they were not giving their heart like I was doing, you know, like, I was giving my best, and, like, the team, they, we knew that the, the team that were playing against us, they were, like, super good, so... My team were kind of like, oh, my God, I don't know if we can beat them, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I was, like, always believing that we could do it. And I remember that on this game, we lost the game. 
And I always get so upset when I used to get so upset when I lost, like cry so much. And my mom's seen that. She was like, hey, Jordan, why don't you like just keep doing judo, you know, and like do something that if you go to a tournament, you do on your own, you know, like you don't need a like because sports are very collect. It's a very like uh, because you need their team mm -hmm. in soccer, right? Yeah. You need their team in order to win in judo. Or like martial arts, you and yourself over there. You know, even though your teams helps you, you need your training partners. The over there in the competition is you by yourself. So then I was like, "Yeah, mom, you're right." And then I kept training judo. And this neighborhood that I used to live, this favela that I used to live, started to get like super, super dangerous. And my family, they saw that I didn't have the best friends, you know, like the best company. Mm -hmm. The kids that I used to play around, like playing soccer on the streets, you know, they're not like the best companies. You know, my mom saw that because like people that are older than you, they can see which kid they're going to be like good or which kid is not like a good company, you know. And like I knew that I was surrounded by some good companies, but also bad companies, bad kids you know and some of them were going to the wrong way you know and my family they saw that me and my cousins and they decided to move to Jacarepaguá Jacarepaguá is like a calmer neighborhood and when we moved to this neighborhood I wanted to keep doing judo you know keep doing judo like competing so I tried to look for the the uh, judo gym close to my house and I remember on that time that my grandma, she saw a judo gym close to my house. And she was like, hey, Jordan, let's go there so you can, like, start training judo again. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then uh, when I went to this judo gym, that was actually the Gracie Barra Jacarepaguá. And the Gracie Barra over there on that time, they used to have jiu-jitsu and judo. Mm -hmm. Judo wasn't that big on the Gracie Barra, and Jiu-Jitsu was big over there. They had, like, uh, some, a lot of classes, you know, and Judo, they had just a few classes. So I wasn't going to train Judo, like, to compete again. I was just going to train for, like, two or three times a week, you know. And when I got there to the Gracie Barra Jacarepaguá, my first professor, Vinícius Coelho, he's the Gracie Barra... Jacarepaguá owner and professor over there, he came at me and he was like, hey, uh, have you ever did jiu-jitsu before? And I was like, no, I don't think my mom will let me do jiu-jitsu because you guys choke each other and you guys break each other's arm, you know, I think it's too dangerous. And I was like, no, I, I don't think my mom will let me do it. And then he was like, no, why don't you come? Like, why don't you come and try tomorrow? And I was like, okay, I'm going to try. And I remember on the next day, so when I moved from the favela to this new neighborhood that I'm living, not that I'm living, uh, I grew. So my judo gi, they got super short on me. <laughs> my pants, they're like on my shin, you know, and like my top part, they're like on my elbow, you know, so... <laughs> And I went to the, my first jiu-jitsu class over there, like, wearing that gi. 
And I remember that on that class, I love it so much. And since that day, I never stopped. So that was pretty much how I, my first contact with jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you remember some of the first tournaments you did in judo and jiu-jitsu? Because I think a lot of times when people reach a level like you're at now, like you're you're one of the best in your division now, adult black belt, which is obviously really high level. Mm -hmm. Some people start out and as kids, they win everything. And some people start out where they, they kind of lose everything and it motivates them to keep going. Were you one were you it's one of those right. cases? <laughs> Which one were you? Yeah. I so for to me there was like two like it's kind of like I started two times because the history my history in judo is different than in jiu-jitsu, you know? In judo I was super young, I was like 4 or 5 years old, and I remember since today that in judo I started losing so many tournaments. Why? Because I used to go to the tournaments and uh, I was kind of like the, the, the referee says, okay, you guys can start. And I was always like sleeping, <laughs> you know, I was always like, oh my God, what's going on? Like I didn't warm up, you know, I didn't do anything to warm up or like get ready, you know, I just went to the tournament, you know. And uh, in judo, as soon as you take the person down, the fight's done. You know, as soon as the person lands with the back on the ground, it's done. So I remember that I lost so many times in, in judo. I lost so, so, so many times because I was sleeping and the person came so aggressive towards me, took me down, and the fight was already done. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what happened? what happened? You know? And then I started to win. I started to get better. I, like, I realized that, you know, like... At a young age, I realized that, no, I have to be aggressive, you know, like, and in jiu-jitsu, I already had the mentality, I already had the mentality of, like, being aggressive and not letting the fight end up, like, so fast, you know, so in jiu-jitsu, my, my career, like, as a white belt, it was really good, like, I started winning tournaments, you know, and that kept it like motivated to like keep competing more you know so in judo started losing really bad but in jiu-jitsu it was different like i the victory motivated me to like keep winning you know mm-hmm. so that was pretty much what happened that's awesome so do you remember some of the first like big tournaments you won in jiu-jitsu in brazil because i think if i'm not wrong you came to the u.s when you were purple belt so had you won anything yes. big at Blue Belt prior to coming to the U.S.? Yes. So I remember that my first big tournament that I won was the Brazilian Nationals Nogi. That was my first big title as a Blue Belt. I, always, I was always like competing and active during the lower belts, like yellow, orange, green. I was very active, but I didn't fight any big tournament. And then I started to compete the CBJJ. CBJJ is like the IBJJF over there mm-hmm. in Brazil. And uh, yeah, I remember I went to the to the Brazilian Nationals Nogi. I was 15 years old. I was going to turn 16. And uh, I went for this tournament and because in Brazil, like back there, I remember that winning uh, a CBJJ tournament for example, like Rio Open, Sao Paulo Open, any 
open of the CBJ was going to was going to be like super hard, you know, because those are like the biggest one where everybody goes, you know. So I knew how hard it would be. And when I won the Brazilian Nationals no gi at first as a 16 years old, that like changed my mind a little bit, you know. I took the the pressure off like the those big tournaments, you know. I was like, oh. I realized that okay, I can win these tournaments. You know, it's not it's not something that it's impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, and once I won the Brazilian Nationals, no gi, I was like, okay, now I'm gonna keep training more because next year I wanna win Brazilian Nationals and Worlds. And that was what happened. On the following year, as a 17 years old blue belt, I won the Brazilian Nationals. And the World Championship, it was my first time that I came to U.S. in California. And, oh, my God, that year was, like, one of the, the best years of my life. You know, I was so happy. Like, I set the goal, and I was able to achieve the goal. You know, I, I remember that since I, was young, since I was young, I always like to, like, write down my goals, you know, and, like, don't stop until I achieve, you know. And I remember that. The beginning of the year, when I was 17 years old, I was already telling myself, okay, this year I'm going to win Brazilian Nationals and I'm going to win World Championship. I remember, I was remembering myself every day that I was going to win. And thanks God that happened, you know. And once I won those tournaments, uh, I had the opportunity to to come to U.S. That's awesome. So I have to ask you more about the first time you came to the U.S. because... Winning a tournament like the Worlds, the first time you're in the U.S., that had to give you such a positive experience about being here. So can you talk about, like, getting to the U.S. and what it was like when you won the Worlds at Blue Belt? Yes. So when I won uh, Worlds, I have this video since today. Like, I remember that I was really confident, even though there were people on my bracket that they already uh, beat me before. I was like super confident. I trained super, super hard and I uh, was giving my best every single day. And I remember that I have this video since today on my phone, but um, I'm not going to put it out right now. <laughs> I'm waiting for the best, you know, that uh, me as like uh, 16, yeah, 16, 17 years old telling, you know, the camera that I was going to be the world champion, you know, before going to the world champion, you know, like I have this video and like waiting a little bit to release on the right moment. There, there is a special moment in my mind that I'm waiting for, you know. So, yeah, I remember I went to Worlds and on my first, the first, my first match, it was against a guy that he already beat me before in Brazil. And uh, I was really nervous. And I knew that my family, they were all watching in Brazil. My family, they're always like a big fan and they support me so much. They're the people that I know winning or losing, they're always going to be there, you know, and it's for them that I fight, you know. And I knew that they were, they were watching me and I just wanted to bring the best result for them, you know, because they saw things that I stopped doing. I stopped going outside to play with my friends. I stopped like playing soccer. I stopped everything just to focus on jiu-jitsu and like win the the worlds, you know, that time. And um, I just wanted to give them 
a great result. And I went for the tournament. The first fight, I had this guy. I was super nervous. I remember that on the beginning of the fight, the guy scored like two advantages on me. And I remember that when I was there fighting, I remember that I look up and like, I, I asked God like for strength, you know, and like to like lead me to the victory. And, you know, I remember like looking up to the, to the gymnasium while fighting, you know. And then even today, I don't remember what I did that uh, I went and I took his back, you know, and I was able to win the fight. I passed his guard and I took his back. And once I won that fight, I was like, okay, today's my day. I'm going to be world champion. And uh, I did that also. I had another fight, my second match. I was able to win too. And then on my third fight, I fought against the same guy that uh, won, that uh, I fought in the Brazilian Nationals in the finals. I fought him on the same finals of the Worlds. And I was able to win and uh, ended up being world champion. That day was for sure the for sure one of the best days of my life. You know, I remember that my friends they're all there screaming for me and like I remember that I screamed super hard. That was like a relief, yeah. you know, to me. The scream of like a relief and like I remember that I cried so much. You know, I was a very emotional fighter. Mm -hmm. You know, like. I'm always super happy when I achieve something that I really, really want. And, um, yeah, that was the best, best, best day of my life. And I remember after that, I spent, like, one more day here in the U.S. And then I went to Brazil. And, like, my family, everybody, they saw me. They went to see me at the airport. My friends, you know, they're all cheering for me. It was super, super great experience. Like... One of my favorite days of my life. Yeah, that's you know? so amazing. That's so cool that all your friends were there cheering you on and people were waiting for you back in Brazil yes. at the airport. That's so cool. Exactly. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. And then, so that was like in May of that year, May of 2015. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was doing great, you know, I won the Brazilian Nationals, I won the World Championship. And I knew I always wanted to come to U.S., you know, because here is where the big tournaments are and here is where you have the opportunity to live through jiu-jitsu. And uh, I remember I was on the last year of my school. Um, how do you guys say? It's not high school. It's like, uh, like elementary school. Um, yeah, it's like elementary school. I was on the last mm. year and like my family, they're all supporting me in jiu-jitsu, you know, but they're like also putting a little bit of pressure on me to like, do college, you know, do college or start working, you know, because they never seen somebody that were successful in jiu-jitsu, so they don't know how that world, how jiu-jitsu world was, you know. So, and I remember, like, I had that thing in my mind, I was like, oh my God, I have to, like, do something because I really want to live through jiu-jitsu, you know, I want to teach, I want to compete so much. And something needs to happen, you know. And uh, and uh, I remember that I used to pass most of my, most time of my days, like, thinking about, oh, my God, what can I do so I can live through jiu-jitsu, you know. And God gave me an opportunity. God, like, put the opportunity, the opportunity in my life on the right time, the time that I needed the most, you know. 
And uh, that was when the people from Arizona, you know, Flavio, Flavio Almeida and his team, they contacted me and uh, they like invited me to to do like, uh, how can I say? Uh, there was like an interview, you know, a lot of people, they could do the interview to come to US to have the opportunity to like train, compete and like teach classes here in US. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's my moment, you know, like the opportunity is right there and I have to like get this opportunity so I can keep following my, my like, my mm-hmm. dream, you know, which is living through Jiu-Jitsu and competing. So I remember I was talking to a friend and on this time, this friend, he was already here in the US, he was already in Arizona. And uh, he told me, hey, Jordan, do this interview. Like, I think you can pass, you know, all you need is to like improve your English, you know. And uh, when he told me that I had to improve my English, I listened to him and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do my best to like study English, even though I didn't do like, um, I never seen like, I just knew the very, very basic of English, you know, yes, no, <laughs> thank you, you know, like the very basic. I went and I look out for a English course sponsorship and there was an English course close to my house. So I talked to them and they were like, okay, we're gonna sponsor you. And I remember that I took English classes every single day, you know, I really wanted to improve my English because I wanted to pass on that interview, you know. And I remember I studied so hard at the English course and at home. I remember I used to watch a lot of like uh, cartoons of like five, six year old kids, you know, on YouTube, like always trying to like improve, you know, doing my best. And uh, I told my family about this opportunity, about this English interview that I had to do. And they were like, okay, Jordan, go do your best, study, you know, we support you. And I remember that on the day of the interview came, and I was super, super, super nervous. You know, I was like, oh my God, freaking out, because I wasn't confident on my English, but I really wanted to pass. (laughs) And I remember that on this interview, they they asked me a few questions, you know, what I do, what I wanted to do for my life, you know, what's my goal in the future. And I remember, like, I explained to them, you know, I did my best to explain to them. And after two days, I received an email that I passed on the interview. And, like, when I passed, when I showed my family that I passed the interview, oh, my God, it was like like winning the world. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It was winning the world, you know, because, like, family, we know that in Brazil, even if you do college, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a good life, you know. So they knew that for me to have a better life, I had to come to U.S., you know. They knew that that was the best thing for me because I was going to do something that I love. And that was the best opportunity for me, you know. So they supported so much. I remember they did like a party. They were like super, super happy for me. And uh, I remember that these people on the interview, they asked me, hey, Jordan, when can you come to U.S.? You know, and I was like, 
as soon as possible, as soon as you guys want to, to go, I'll go. And I remember that it was like before Christmas, it was like December 16th or something. They, they told me that that was the earliest day that I could get here in the U.S., and I didn't think twice, like, I didn't even think about, like, spending Christmas and New Year's with my family, you know, I was just so excited to come that uh, I remember that I did, um, how do you say, like, a riff? No, like, something that, for example, you have a notebook and then you ask people to, like, pay for, like, $10, you oh, know, like and raffle. then you pick a number. Like a raffle, exactly, like a raffle. I remember I did, like, a raffle in order to like buy my my plane ticket and uh i made enough money to buy a plane ticket and i came as early as possible you know i remember it was like around december of 2017 yes this 2018 actually 2000 2018 and that's when I came to US and I went first to Arizona. That's awesome. That's such a cool story. So I did want to ask you too, because you yeah. talked about like knowing that you wanted to make a living from jiu-jitsu for a long time. And I feel like even now, jiu-jitsu is mm -hmm. growing a lot. It's getting really big. But even still, like the top 1% of competitors still aren't millionaires. <laughs> They're not making tons and tons <laughs> of money. So what were some of like the early struggles you had, like trying to make this a profession, knowing that maybe money wouldn't be super abundant right away, let's say. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. So, like I said, I came to Arizona, and uh, here we had everything already set up, you know? Like, we knew how much we would make, you know? Like, they told me, like, it wasn't a lot of money, you know? That was just, like, enough for me to live here in the U.S., you know? And... They gave Grace Barra, they gave me all the opportunity, like they gave a house for for the people that worked on the schools to stay and like um they let us train at the gym, like we had a very nice place that where we could stay. So I know that it wasn't a lot of money, it was just enough for me to live, you know, here in the US. And um yeah, like I said, I went to I, I went to Arizona first and I remember that I loved so much like Arizona. I always I love Arizona, you know, like it's so nice. And um so I started teaching classes, you know, and like training. The thing is that the training wasn't great on that time because there was a lot of like new schools you know so there was a lot of new people and uh, I remember that I was like doing my best you know to get good training you know because I just came from Brazil and like I really wanted to like keep winning the tournaments and um, unfortunately I hit a point like after six seven months I realized that I wasn't like training as much as I should have been training, you know, and uh, that uh, I was teaching more classes than I was actually training, you know, like, and to me, I remember since the beginning that I split my life in three phases, you know, which is Jordan athlete, Jordan professor and school owner, and then Jordan, like, um, 
how can I say, like a more than one school owner, you know, and just like, business like a man. business person, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like a businessman. And that's where I split my life. And I remember that I was leaving the second stage more than I was leaving the first stage, you know. I was leaving the second stage Jordan professor, you know, more than I was leaving Jordan athlete. And um, once I realized that, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I know I always wanted to come to the U.S., and I wanted to train and compete, you know, and like teach classes too, so I could make money, you know, for a living, you know, and like teach private classes. But uh, I felt that there was there was no balance over there, you know. There was no balance. There was more one thing than the other thing. And uh, I realized that, and Arizona, it was like a great opportunity for me to learn about how to, like, um, make money through jiu-jitsu, you know, like, because the Grace Barra, we have a lot of programs, you know, like, the Grace Barra, Grace Barra is a very, like, organized school, and, like, as soon as you open a Grace Barra school, like, you have so many tools that they provide you where you can be successful and, like, make money through jiu-jitsu, you know? So... I learned that so much and I'm really, really grateful for, for what I learned that. And I will always bring that knowledge that I got there in Arizona, on the Arizona project through my whole life, you know. But I felt that there wasn't just the right moment for me to be living like that, you know. And um, I remember that once I realized that, that I was living more Jordan professor than Jordan athlete. I talked to the people in Arizona, you know, and they understood my my point of view, you know, because, like, of course, there's a lot of people that, like, when they come from Brazil, they come here to U.S., you know, and, like, they love teaching classes, you know, and there is some people that they really want to be athletes, you know, and if you don't have your mind strong enough on what your goal is, it's really easy to get lost, you know? And my mind was always like, okay, first I want to accomplish all my goals as a competitor, and then I want to be living, like, I want to open my own gym, you know, and like start making money through jiu-jitsu. So I realized that, and... I, like I said, I talked to the people in Arizona and then I was looking for other opportunities, you know, where I can train because I remember that I was going to the tournaments and I wasn't doing so great, you know. I remember that I was going to the tournaments and, uh, like, I was losing on the first fight, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, like, this is really hurting me, you know. It's not because I was losing. It was because I was going to the tournaments unprepared, you know. Because dealing with loses, as long as you know that you prepare and you did your 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 best, dealing with loses mm-hmm. is easier when you know that you prepared and like you did your best, you know. And for me, when I know, when I went to the tournaments and uh, I didn't do like the ideal preparation, you know, and that I didn't train as much as I should have been training, 
it was hurting so much on me, you know? And uh, it was super tough to, like, tell my family because, like, they thought that that was the best opportunity for me, you know? And I didn't want to disappoint them saying that, oh, my God, I'm sad because of I'm losing, you know? I didn't want to tell my mom. I didn't want to tell my family what I was passing through. And that was hurting me so much, you know? And I was like, oh, my God, I have to, to do something. Like, I'm not going to tell my family right now. I'm going to look for an opportunity because I was already here in the U.S. I'm going to look for an opportunity so I can train more. And, like, even if I have to, like, sleep at the gym, you know, and, like, have no money. But if I can train, you know, I will be happy, you know. And that was my time in Arizona was when I got mature you know, to, like, understand my goals even more and, like, plan my life a little better, you know. So, over there, I remember that I went to Pens and I ended up losing, like, on my first match. And uh, I was, like, super, super sad. And I had a friend that he's from Boston, you know, he's the pro he used to be the main professor there in Boston. And I remember telling him that, oh, my God, like, I really want to train, you know, I really want to be an athlete. And even if, like, I have to sleep at the gym, you know, and, like, have just a less, as less as possible, you know, even if I have no money, you know, but if I can train, I'll do my best and I'll figure out something. Then I remember talking to this guy, and this guy, he was like, hey, Jordan, you can come to Gracie Baja, Boston, you know? It never passed in my mind leaving Gracie Baja, you know? It never passed. I always wanted to be Gracie Baja since the beginning. And uh, he told me to go to Gracie Baja, Boston, because the Gracie Baja, Boston was uh, like uh, an older school, you know, that was like higher belts, so I could train. And uh, I told him, okay, I'll tell the people from Arizona that I want to go to Boston and uh, I'm going to go, professor. I really want to make this happen, you know. And that's what happened. Like I went to, Bo I told people in Arizona and then I went to Boston to, to train even more. And that was when I started doing good on my Purple yeah, Belt. Yeah, that's really interesting because you did do really good at Purple Belt. But I feel like once you hit your brown belt, that's mm -hmm. really when you hit your stride in the competitions. So do you want to talk about, yeah. like, obviously you talked about training with mm -hmm. higher level training partners and making the move to Boston. Um, but what were some of the other factors that you feel like just made you really take off and win so much at brown belt? Yes. So I remember that when I went to, to Boston, like, I spent – um, around like five to six months in Arizona, like super sad, you know, and like my mind was every day telling me like, oh my God, when I have the opportunity to train, I will train and I'll do my best. When I have the opportunity to train, I'll train and I'll do my best. So that stayed on my head for so long that once I got there to Boston and I had the opportunity to train, you know, with like higher rank training partners. I trained so much, so, so, so much, like every day, every day, like three times a day and doing conditioning training. I 
dedicated myself so much and like studying jiu-jitsu that's something that I, I always did you know studying studying and training and so when I went to Boston uh, like I said I trained and I was just doing a little bit of money so I could eat you know could eat and like pay for the bus to go to the gym and going back and uh that was when I, I won my because my goal was always to like win worlds in every single belt. And once I moved to Boston, I trained for like six months and I trained super intense that all the training that I didn't train in Arizona, I made it back, you know, and uh, I was able to win the worlds no gi as a purple belt. And uh, that was also like a great achievement for me it was like the second like most my favorite day of my life you know because it was in my mind like everything that I passed through you know the times that I, I couldn't I didn't have it, enough training you know and that I doubt myself that I was like oh my god am I will I ever like win a big tournament again will I ever like go back to the top and being able to like train as much as I did and like go back to the top and the purple belt that made me super happy, you know. That made me think like, oh my god, like the time that I couldn't train, I made it back, you know, and that was super great for me because that made me even that made me so strong mentally, knowing that if I set something in my mind, I can do it. You know, I can do it. You can take a little bit longer, but I will do That's it. That's awesome. You know? And then I went to Brazil and I got my brown belt. And uh, I remember that once I got my brown belt, on the beginning of my brown belt, I was still living in Boston. And the professor there in Boston, he ended up leaving the gym to, leave, to go to California because something happened to his family. They had to go back to California. And people, the high, my higher-ranked training partners, they all left the gym because the main professor there left, you know. So then I went back to the phase where I don't have, like, enough training partners, you know, higher-ranked training partners. I didn't have many people so I could train. The school became, like, a new school again, you know, and now was the one that covered the classes, you know, that had to teach all the classes again. But I knew that I didn't want this to happen when I left Arizona, you know, and that ended up happening again. Like, I'm the one that had to teach more, teach more than I train, you know. And like I said, I need the balance, you know. I have to teach and train the same, like, the same amount or, like, train even more. You know, because I'm still on Jordan athlete phase. And that happened to me in Boston. And I was like, okay, like, now let's think about another opportunity where I can train, you know, and live with the minimum just so I can train, eat, you know, and like try to compete, you know, work on the tournaments, you know. I had to do something because I didn't want to be passing through that phase again because I know how that hurt me when I had to pass through the first time, you know, and I didn't want that to happen. 
So as a brown belt, uh, I remember that I contacted Lucas Valente. Lucas Valente he was my friend in Brazil since I was like a blue belt. And I remember I contacted him and I told him everything that was happening. I said, Lucas, hey, it was super great here for me in Boston, but unfortunately now I'm the one that is having to run the school, you know, and uh, I'm not ready to this phase in my life yet. I don't want to be a person that runs a school right now. I want to be an athlete. And could you please help me? All I need is a place to sleep, you know. And he was like, hey, Jordan, come here, come to Houston, and uh, we're going to find a way for, for you to train, you know, and to compete. You know, because Lucas, he's an athlete, he knows what an athlete feels, you know, and he knew what I was feeling, you know. So, like I said, I didn't, I didn't wait. I just bought the plane ticket, and I came here to Houston, you know, to train under... Professor Vinicius Dracolino, Lucas Valente, and Andressa Sintra. And here was when my my brown belt career and my competition career went up again, you know, and I started That's competing. That's awesome. So how important was it for you? Because you mentioned Professor Lucas. He's an amazing competitor, one of the best in the world in his weight division. You had Professor Dracolino, mm -hmm. legend yeah. in the sport, awesome competitor. Andressa, amazing competitor. How important was it to have three super high-level athletes or, and a former athlete and Professor Draculino coaching you and leading your training every day yeah. to allow you to focus on your training and not so much on the teaching? Oh, my God. Like, that was so great. That To me, I felt that, like, everything happened on the right moment, you know. I didn't want to get here earlier you know or later i felt that everything happened on the right moment you know and um once i came here seeing lucas andres and dracolino on the mats you know like helping me you know and seeing them their preparation it was something that uh, like i learned so much i feel that like here in texas I learned how to be a professional jiu-jitsu athlete, you know. Before I felt that, like, I was just an athlete. But, like, here seeing Andressa, Lucas, and Draculino, seeing how much they dedicate, you know, their lives through jiu-jitsu. Like, here I became, like, a professional athlete. And Lucas and Andressa, they are so disciplined, you know, like, with their preparation, their diets, their training. And I remember that once I came, I used to live with them, with Lucas and Andressa, and I could see every day what they do, and I did exactly what they were doing. You know, they were, if they were going to work out, I was going to work out. If they were going to train, I went training. You know, I was just following their steps because they are the top of the black belt, and the top of the black belt is where I want to be. You know, so like I was just following their steps, you know, and uh, Draculino also, oh my God, he was like teaching me on the, on the mats. He is teaching me on the mats every day, you know, and Draculino, he's a person that focused so much on the details, you know, like he was like, Jordan, just change this, 
change this, change your posture, you know, the little details that makes all the difference, you know, because I remember that when I came here to, to Texas, Draculino, he told me, hey, Jordan, look, you already have a black belt level, but the thing is, on the black belt competition, the black belt tournaments, people are so experienced that if you leave any space for them to score one advantage or points on you, they're going to be able to hold those points until the end. So you really got to close the gap, you know, like you have a great jiu-jitsu, but now it's time to close the gap, you know, and be smart because over there is not the best person that wins, the best competitor, you know, like whoever competes best, whoever has the best strategy wins, you know, and like the, the way that we train at the gym the way you cannot train at the gym like doing everything that you know how to do and like go to the tournament and try to do the same thing because it's harder. You have to have a strategy, you know. And I remember that when he told me that, I was like, okay, Doc, I'll, I'll like do exactly what you do and I'll close the gaps. And Lucas and Andresa, they're teaching me every single day, you know, to like how to close the gaps, how to make sure you keep the points when you're winning, you know, the mindset things, you know, like, and uh, oh my God, here I'm so, so, so grateful to be here, seeing them and like be learning with them because here I feel like I'm a professional jiu-jitsu athlete, you know, I'm, ju I'm not just an athlete. But you know. That's amazing. Yeah, it's so cool so, to hear yeah. that they had such a profound impact on your jiu-jitsu career, and they led you to so much success at Brown Belt. Yes. So can you talk about getting your black belt? I know, I, I believe it was your professor from Brazil who gave it to you, um, but can you talk about that transition yes. and the day you finally got your black belt? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I, my professor in Brazil, I got all my belts with him, you know, from white all the way until brown. And my goal was to get my belts tied by him from white to black, you know. And uh, as a brown belt, I remember that I was talking to Lucas and uh, I was like, hey, Lucas, I really want to go to Brazil to, to get my black belt. Could you let me know when you feel that I'm ready? You know, and Draculino, like, when do you guys feel that I'm ready? Because I really want to go to Brazil to get my black belt with him, you know? Because that's something that uh, that makes me happy, you know? Because he is a person that not a lot of people know in the jiu-jitsu community, you know? And, like, my goal is always to, like, highlight him and show the world how great of a coach he is, you know? You doesn't need. You doesn't have to be like a world champion to be a great coach. You know, you doesn't have to be a jiu-jitsu athlete to be a great professor. You know, so my goal is always to show the world how great he is. You know, and uh, I remember that when COVID everything when COVID started, um, I was like training hard. You know, like I was on the the last phase of my, my brown belt career, you know, where, like, I won a lot of tournaments. And uh, 
I like I knew that I was close to the black belt, and we called we called this chapter as closing the gap, you know, closing the gap chapter. It was like my preparation to go to the black belt, you know, and like that was when I started studying every single opponent that I could have as a black belt, you know. It was when I started looking more to the black belt, you know, like I remember because before I used to study, but not as often, the black belt division, I was studying more like my the brown belts, you know, like who are the people that I'm going to face. And I started studying more the people from the black belt, you know, and like studying their games and trying to see what's the best strategy, you know, to go with them because sooner or later I was going to fight them, you know, the big people over there. So we call that phase of, I call that phase of my life as like closing the, closing the gap. And, uh, I remember that when COVID, like because of COVID, I couldn't go to Brazil. You know, that was always my goal to go there to Brazil, get my belt with my professor and then coming back to the US. But because of visa and everything, it was very, uh, how can I say, um, it was not safe, you know, to go there because I didn't know if I would be able to come back. You know, so I didn't want to risk, and I talked to Professor Drac, I talked to, to Lucas, I talked to Andressa, and they all advised me to not risk. You know, and uh, Draculino because he has the the green card, and he's already all set with his documents over here in the US. He told me that he was going to Brazil, and I told him, "Hey, Drac, my professor there." Villain, uh, he really wants to go to visit him at his gym. And Draco was like, oh my God, I can't wait to meet your professor, you know, like, can't wait to tell you about everything that you do here and all that stuff. And I was like, oh my God, my professor, he'll be so happy if you go visit our gym. And I remember that I made this bridge between Draculino and my professor there in Brazil. And Draculino went there to Brazil my professor there, Willem, he knew that I wouldn't be able to go to Brazil, so he gave the black belt oh, that is to awesome. Professor Drac, <laughs> to Draculina. Yes, he gave the belt to Draculina. And then when Draculina came back to U.S., Draculina wait until my birthday, because Draculina came back to U.S. in like June or something like that. He waited one month because he knew that it would be my, my birthday, July 27th. And that was when it happened, you know. I remember that I wasn't expecting at all, you know. I just, I knew, I just knew that my professor gave the black belt to Draculino so Drac could give to me later, you know. I didn't know nothing before. And uh, July 27th, it was my birthday. I remember that I woke up. Uh, went to train, you know, and I was like, it was a very calm day, you know, I was very like, oh, okay, just one more day on my birthday, you know, I'm happy, but I, I'm okay, and I remember that that happened, like, Professor Drac came to me, and like, Professor Lucas, he trained with me, and I remember that he <laughs> smashed me so much that day, he smashed me so much, like, never before, you know, and then I was like, oh, my God, that's a great birthday gift, you know. 
And uh, Lucas was like, yeah, it's like, I, it's going to get even better, you know? And when he told me it's going to get even better, I was like, oh, okay. But I didn't know nothing. And then at the end of the class, Draculino called my professor via Zoom, you know? And my professor started talking, Draculino started talking, and oh my <laughs> God, I started crying so much. And uh, it was just an amazing day. It was an amazing, amazing day that I will never forget in my life. It was like my birthday. I just completed 23 years old, and I received my black belt after 10 years of jiu-jitsu because I started when I was 13. And oh my God, it was just a that is really cool. Like it sucks me. that you couldn't travel because awesome. of COVID, but I mean that was the next best thing. Yes. Couldn't, couldn't really beat that. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It couldn't be better. You That's know? awesome. That was the next. So after thing. you got your black belt, obviously that was a big moment for you. It was a long time coming. You had so many great results at brown belt. But what was it like jumping into the the waters mm -hmm. with with all the sharks at black belt in your division? Because there's so many tough guys at black belt, especially nowadays. And you had to jump yeah. right in and fight all the toughest guys. <laughs> so what was that like? Yes. Oh my God! I remember that on my first tournament, it was the Charleston Open. So I knew that everyone, like most of the people in Jiu-Jitsu, when they go to the black belt, they like if they are like active competitors, you know, they go a little bit down, you know, they drop a little bit on the graphic, and then they start winning tournaments, you know. So I wanted to to keep my drop as short as possible so then I can start winning, you know? I wasn't expecting that I was going to win tournaments right on the beginning, to be honest. And uh, I just knew that I had to keep the consistency, you know? Consistency is the key. And I've seen so many people on the, when they get the black belts, they drop a little bit, they drop and then they start winning that I was like, okay, I will stay active. I'll compete as much as I can, get experience. And I know that I'll get my turn, you know, like I will, one day you take, a, it can take days, months, you know, years, but uh, I'll get my turn, you know, because I do everything that I can, like I dedicate my whole life, I study so much jiu-jitsu, I train, I do conditioning, I eat well, you know, that uh, I don't think there is a, like, uh, I'll never give up, you know, it's just a matter of time for me to like reach the top of the division and stay, you know, and uh like I said, my first tournament, I was so nervous, so nervous. And uh, I supposed to have two fights. I ended up having only one fight, went straight, to the, went straight to the final. And I was able to submit. And once I submit that fight, I was like, oh, my God, I just won my first tournament as a black belt. I was like, oh, my God, what's, what's happening? I couldn't believe, you know. And even winning that tournament that tournament i was super happy but i always put a lot of like uh like uh it's not it's not pressure like i just uh like i can't find the world maybe? right now but 
yeah, it's expectation, you know, on myself that even if I win, I knew that I commit some mistakes, you know, and that I had to get better, you know, because my goal is to always get better, you know, get as good as I can in the in the martial art, you know, in jiu-jitsu. And every single tournament that I'm doing, you know, winning or losing, I'm always looking to my fights super detailed, you know, little by little with Lucas and Andresa. They're like, they watch my fights with me and they tell me what I did wrong, what I can, like, what I can get better, you know. So every month, you know, since I got my black belt, I'm trying to... Uh, get the best out of it, you know, of every month. I don't want to, like, uh, waste time, you know. I want things to happen. So, yes, that that's what, what I'm doing, you know, staying active. I know that I'll have, a, I'll have a lot of losses. I'll win a lot, too, you know, but I'll stay consistent, you know, and I know that I will achieve my goal you know, which is be a world champion Definitely. as a black belt. So you started yeah. out really well. Can you talk about doing the pans as a black belt? Because that's one of the hardest tournaments. It's pretty much the same field of competitors as the world's yeah. or the Europeans or the Brazilian nationals. So what was it like to, to make the podium in uh-huh. such a big tournament your first year as a black belt? And it was not even a year. It was like a couple months into your black belt. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. That tournament, that tournament was the one that I had the most fun, you know, because I knew how hard that bracket was, you know, and there was so many people that were black belts for a long time, you know, won a lot of great titles. And uh, I knew that it would be hard, you know. And uh, I also knew that I trained so much and that I had I had chance, you know. Like, my goal was to win of course you know i wanted to win but i more than wanting to win i wanted to fight well you know like show my jiu-jitsu you know that's something that is really important to me you know i really want to show my jiu-jitsu show things that i've been working on you know like show like a beautiful jiu-jitsu you know like i don't want to be like a boring fighter, you know, like I want to like really show what I'm capable of doing. And I went to this tournament. Uh, the first fight, I had a really tough opponent, Marcos Bedor. And uh, he's really, really good opponent. And I remember I was studying him. I studied his game and I knew exactly what I had to do, you know. And uh, I was able to win the fight. And I was like so happy because he was... On that time, he was the toughest opponent, the toughest opponent I've ever beat on the black belt. You know, and I was like, oh my god, like he's a black belt longer than me. You know, and I was able to win that fight. That gave me a lot of confidence. And uh, so I passed to the other day to fight, and I and I had my semi no was it yeah semifinals against Pedro Diaz. Pedro Diaz is somebody that. I always looked up on my lower belts. I remember when I was like a, a blue belt, he was already like a brown belt, you know, and he was a lighter guy always. He was always a lighter guy. And he went to train at GB Jacarepaguá, where I'm from. 
He trained a little bit in Gracie Bar because he's from Rio too. And uh, oh my God, he smashed he's me really so tough. much, <laughs> so much. And yeah, he's really tough. He's really tough. And uh, he was also a great friend of mine, you know, like we have this friendship. And so I went to Pans and I was like, oh my God, like I really want to fight well. I really want to do great, you know, against Pedrinho. So I went with the fight and uh, I ended up losing the fight. But uh, I, felt, I felt great, you know, like I showed my jiu-jitsu. I showed that I'm always looking to like fight forward you know i ended up losing the fight but then after the fight pedrinho told me pedrinho was like hey man oh my god you improved so much you know like you are so strong and uh that to me was a win you know because him being a person that i looked up that i look up to you know telling me like giving me a compliment you know saying that i improved so much that means a lot to me, you know, so I just took the most out of the opportunity that I had, you know, and being able to make to the podium and like hear my name being called to go to the podium, it was something that I was so happy, you know, something that I, I was waiting for this moment, you know, to be able to like stay in between the best of the division, you know, and uh, it's just the beginning, you know. I yeah, want to hear amazing. my name being and called more You times. followed it up with a really big win this past weekend at Jiu-Jitsu Con. I know you're also signed up for the world, so I know that's like a big goal of yours. Um, so can you talk about what your goals are as a professional yeah. athlete? And then also, I want to know too if you're interested in getting into Nogi, because right now there's like a lot of Nogi competitions, a lot of big like cash prizes. There's who's number one, there's mm -hmm. ADCC. So I know you want to win all the Gi tournaments. Do you also want to win some of the Nogi tournaments too? uh-huh yes so first my goal is to compete as much as i can and stay active during mm -hmm. the gi world you know like i really want to win tournaments like pan american yeah. like uh like a grand slam tournament you know like worlds and uh once i win a tournament like that i plan to to go to no gi why? Because I don't train no gi as much as I train gi, you know. And uh, during the lower belts, even not training as much, I was able to, like, win, like, good tournaments, you know, big tournaments. And, but I feel that as a brown, as a black belt, jiu-jitsu every day is getting more and more professional. There are people that are... Yeah. training no gi only there are people that are training gi only there are people that are doing both which i respect so much people that can do both um for now my goal is to like win world championship win either Pan americans you know do great as a black belt you know be able to reach the first of the ranking you know of the division that's something that i, I really look for too and uh I'll stay as active as possible in the competitions of the Gi. And uh, I plan also to compete no Gi. And uh, soon I will dedicate like one year. I want to dedicate like one year to like compete only no Gi, you know. But first I want to be a Gi guy, you know, like train and 
compete on the gi. So that's my goal. And stay yeah, active. Yeah, I think that's a really smart gi, approach, especially you know. now with the different rule sets and no gi. It's almost like a different a different sport with all the heel hooks, all the leg yeah. entries, different stuff going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. I train, you know, no gi. Like I'm a... I'm, it's not that I don't train no gi. Like I train gi, but uh, I don't feel ready and i don't feel like that i train as much as i should be training to go to a no gate tournament you know and like i said if i go to a tournament without preparing myself feeling that i'm not ready that will hurt so much on me you know so i really want to prepare you know and go to the tournament and see what happens you know if i win great if i lose i will learn you know uh, this is something that, uh, that, uh, That's awesome. yeah, that yeah, I'm I can't wait to, to see do, your transition to you know? no gi after you win the gi tournament. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm very excited. Something that, uh, that I've been doing so much since the beginning of my black belt competition is always like taking so many notes about what I'm doing right, you know, what's working and what I have to work on, you know, I'm really trying to take the most out of every experience, you know, like, I know that next year, July 27th, I will will complete one year as a black belt, so, like, my black belt anniversary being on my birthday just gives me more motivation you know because i want to do as much as i can before mm-hmm. i complete one year you know like so i have like a like a, a date where i can focus on get better as much as i can mm-hmm. before this date comes you know so yeah just trying to take the yeah, most that's a great plan and one thing you, you've mentioned a couple times throughout the interview is that you like to study you like to take notes you're, you're a student of the game, and I'm definitely a huge jiu-jitsu nerd. I like to watch everyone. So who are some of your favorite competitors to study that you feel like have really influenced your game? Outside, I would say outside of Lucas and uh, Professor Jacqueline and uh, Andressa. Yes. Yes, so there's a lot of, like, great people out there, you know. I really like to mm-hmm. watch uh, Isaac Doderling, you know. He, like... Uh, uh, athlete that is like complete, you know. Mm-hmm. I like to watch complete fighters, you know, like people that can pass guard, that can play guard, and that can like submit people, you know. Like that's my my style, you know. So I really like to watch Isaac Doderling, mm-hmm. Tainan, you know. He's also super technical with his guard passing, you know. He's something, someone that I look like that I study a lot of his game too. And, um, yeah, it's pretty much like Isaac Doderling, Taina, I watch a lot of his videos too. Um, Mikey Musumesi, he's always super good, you know, with his Brimbolos, you know, I love to watch him. And, um, yeah, I think, I think pretty much that's it. These are like people that are super, super technical and like always watching their fights to see if they're doing like something different you know but yeah i study i really put time a lot of time like studying jiu-jitsu you know and nowadays that we have like youtube Mm -hmm. we have flow grappling you know there's so many tools that we 
to have to improve, you know, that I feel like there is no chance where you can say that, like, we can say that, oh, yeah. my God, I stopped learning jiu-jitsu, you know? Like, I don't think no. people can say that nowadays, you know, because you just stop to learn jiu-jitsu if you don't look for jiu-jitsu, you know? Because if you look for, if you go after, you have so many sources of getting knowledge, you know? That is just yeah, I always feel like I'm behind you, when I'm studying you know? jiu-jitsu. Like, I want to watch this instructional. I want to watch this match. It's impossible to catch up. <laughs> yes yes so yeah i study so much this is something that me lucas you know something that i learned with them because they also study so much jiu-jitsu and uh the discipline that they have i just like mm -hmm. learned to you know and um like i said here i feel like i'm a professional so i have one last question you know? for you hopefully you don't mind if that's okay um so what advice would you give to someone mm -hmm. who's maybe starting jiu-jitsu around the time you started, 12 or 13, something like that, and they want to be a professional, they want to be an athlete, they then want to own a school and teach, and then, you know, have a career making a living from jiu-jitsu. What advice would you give to someone like that? Yeah. Yes. So first, I advise them to, like, write down on a paper, you know, what their goals are, you know, and, like, stay true. Mm -hmm to their goals, you know, this is something that you have to, to, like, follow, you know, stay true to your goals, you know, know what you want, and, like, just follow it, you know, even if you fall, or, like, if you lose, you know, like, don't worry, stay consistent, you know, because I believe that consistency, consistency brought me where I am today, you know, consistency and staying true to my goals brought me where I am today. So and that's my advice, you know, like if you fall, don't worry. Try to learn, you know, because there is only, I feel that there is only lose, losing and like feeling sad. If you let yourself feel sad, you know, you can always see things with a different perspective. You know, like, you can see a loss as a learning, you know, or you can see a loss as, like, oh, my God, I'm so bad at it, I'm going to give up, you know. So try to see things with the, the best way possible, with the best perspective, and just that's keep awesome. going, you know. Yeah, that's great advice. That's I really, I really advice. appreciate that. And thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate your time. It's been so cool to see you come up through the ranks and get to the level you're at now because now you're mixing it up with the best black belts in the world, and I know you're going to be on top of the podium soon. So I appreciate it. And do you have any sponsors or yeah. any friends you want to thank before we sign off? Yes. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you so much, Open Guard Cast, for the opportunity to share my history, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed it, you know, I enjoyed so much talking about my life, you know, and like sharing with you guys, and uh, I have a few sponsors that uh, that I want to thank, I want to thank Kigen Kombucha, Kenex CBD, The Sanctuary Gym, Burgerson Chiropractor, and um, Lucas Valente, Lucas Valente Nutrition, you know, those are like the people that helped me, you know, I have the best thing behind me and uh, I'm sure I'm going to keep growing as a black belt and I uh, really want you guys to 
keep following me and like keep uh, cheering for me. I'm all, I always do my best. And um, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you again, Jordan. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Definitely follow Jordan on Instagram. You're going to see him on the top of a, of a lot of podiums coming up. So you'll, you'll get familiar with his face. So definitely follow Jordan and follow us on all our, our social media channels and all the major podcast players. And, yeah, we will see you guys soon for Episode 113. Thanks again.